You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. I love you guys so much. Thank y'all. That caught me off guard. Maybe it'll light me up for the message because when I have two portfolios, you know I'm in business. You know I'm in business. And I have, uh, I don't know why. I can't really tell you why that for the last four and a half years I haven't preached on this. Uh, What I can tell you is I'm going to obey him today um, and going forward. Um, So when I tell you, when I tell you that that I'm preaching on this, um, I, you got you got notes in your bulletin. You got notes in your bulletin. I hope you'll not only share the video. I hope it speaks so much to you that you'll reshare it and rewatch it because it's that type of message that I have spent hours and hours and hours on, even more so because I want to present it with grace and I want you to be open to all the possibilities of God. That is my role as a pastor is to open you up, not to force them on you, but to open them up to you. So I hope you will get a lot out of this. You can take notes. You got notes in your bulletin. Take them. Remember them. Re- rewrite them. Write them again because we're going to grow today. Tell somebody we're growing. We're growing deep and wide. So when I was in, um, when I was, uh, when I was in high school, I ran track. Let me rephrase that. Actually, that's a lie. I threw shot put and discus. Uh, and my first, I got to go to my first track meet because you actually had to be good enough to go to a track meet. And I don't know how I think I was the token guy to go to the, the track meet. And, uh, and this upperclassman uh, constantly the entire trip, uh, the entire track meet in Leeds, Alabama, home of Charles Barkley, War Eagle again, uh, slept on the gym floor what said his name. I slept on Charles Barkley, literally. And um, some of y'all, I got Georgia people in here. They don't appreciate that right there. And so uh, that entire, had this upperclassman constantly tell me, he said, Ben, you were a burger eater. You were a burger eater. Whole trip. Finally get to go to track me. Get invited. I'm actually a top four thrower. It can go. You're a burger eater. You're a burger eater. What a burger eater is, is somebody who is on the team. They don't contribute to the team. They are just there. And so the entire time I was told, you're a burger eater, you're a burger eater, you're a burger eater. And to be honest with you, all he did was confirm what I already felt about myself. And I know that everybody in this place at times or all the time, some of you, you feel like you're a burger eater in this thing called life. You feel like you're a burger eater in your family. You feel like you're a burger eater in this church, some of you. You feel like you're a burger eater in your job. And everything that you want to contribute and invest, you don't feel like you're enough. You feel like you're a burger eater. And I want you to know this, and I'm going to pour my heart out, open you up to the possibilities that may freak you out some today. You are not a burger eater. Matter of fact, tell somebody next to you, don't be a burger eater. Man, don't be one. You were not one, so don't be one. Don't be a burger eater. You are a contributor. You are, you have, God has given you gifts and abilities and talents that you haven't even tapped into yet. You don't even know you have, let alone got confidence in them. You are not a burger eater. Matter of fact, 
The issue in your life isn't if you're gifted, it's how God has gifted you. And you can have all the hope in the world that you are a contributor and that you are called and that you are gifted. And if you don't know how you are, all the hope in the world won't matter. So we're not just dealing hope today. I'm dealing some how-to. Will you lift your hands? Um, Lord, we just ask you to open our hearts. Help us discover who help us discover and grow deep and wide in who you've created us to be. We don't want to pretend. We don't want to put pressure on ourselves to be something or somebody we're not or do something we're called to do in a way other people are doing it. Lord, we want to grow in your will deep and wide. No matter what that means, we trust it. We don't want to be posers. We want to be players because Peter said we are partakers of the divine nature. And I just thank you, Lord, right now that's what we want. Catalyst, O-line, we just say this in your heart. Actually, under your breath, but in your heart to say, speak, Lord. Speak, Lord, and speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. The New Testament talks about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts that God has given every one of you. Every one of us have them. The Greek word for spiritual gifts, the Kone Greek word is charismata, which obviously is where the word charismatic came from. The word translates gifts of grace. That is the translation, gifts of grace. God, that is exactly what the gifts that we're going to look at in the scripture today are. God is giving you some gifts. The Bible says that you are God's masterpiece. You are God's poetry. The Bible says you are God's workmanship and you were created in Christ to do good works. Tell somebody you're not a burger eater. So don't be a burger eater. You have gifts. They are gifts of Grace, and you can have all the hope in the world, but you need some how-to. So today, we are going to dig into Scripture, and we're going to look at two categories of spiritual gifts that Paul taught the church that each of us who love and are committed to Jesus have. We have at least one of every one of these two categories of gifts. Paul was, we're going to start in Romans chapter 12. Paul was investing this into a group of young Christian believers in Rome, hence the word Book of Romans, letter to the Romans. Paul was investing this into them like I am you. And he was spitting some fire. And it's not even that long of a passage, but it will change your life and it will open you up to possibilities if you want to be opened up to possibilities. Romans chapter 12. Matter of fact, we're going to wake y'all up today. I'm going to go ahead and start. Every time in this message, I'm going to point to you and you're going to say, I'm not a burger eater. And I'm going to respond don't be a burger eater. You ready? Here we go. Uh-uh. You got to what? We're going to do that louder. Go. 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 Don't be a burger eater. Online, drop a comment. If you're with me, say, I'm not a burger eater. You are a contributor, and God has called you to contribute, and it's time for you to grow and discover how God called you to contribute. Your story and my story, your abilities aren't mine. Mine aren't yours, but God has called you to contribute. You are a player, so it's time to stop being a poser. God is giving you some gifts. Grow confident in them, and let your kids see you work in them and grow in them. Let the world around you, let your job. It's time for you to grow in who God called you to be and to build the life that he's called you to build. Don't be a burger eater. Don't be a burger eater. Now, I got my second pad folio. Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 4. Tell somebody, not today, ADD. I got so much. Follow me, follow me, follow me. I got so much online, and I want you, because I got to hit it quick, and, we go, and it's going to be a lot. But we're going to do it quickly. I promise I'll have you, I'll have you at lunch at a 
around time I usually do probably. It's hot up in here. Is it just me or is it y'all? Hey, uh, I was wrong. This is the first cold day and I turned the heat up for all y'all cold nature people and I'm done with that. Y'all can, y'all can put some clothes on. I can't preach naked. I promise y'all won't come back. I got an awesome. Woo, boy. We're learning. We're learning. It gets cold. Y'all going to be like, turn the heat up. I'm going to be like, no. No. Thank you, D-Ruta. So you don't get so naked, you know, and it's not appropriate anymore. Romans chapter 12. Here we go. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Paul is saying you are the body of Christ. The scripture teaches we are the hands and feet of Jesus. You are what God wants to do about it. Paul says the temple, you are the temple of the Lord. You, you want to know where Jesus is? He's in you. He's not just in here. This is a building. You are, where, you are the house of God. You are what God wants to do about it. You are who God wants to bless and be a blessing. And these gifts, he says, we are all part of one body. Everybody has different parts, and we all have a part to play in the body of Christ. Period. Every one of us. You love Jesus, you're called. You love Jesus, you're a player. Preachers aren't the only players. You are a player. He continues, each in his grace, God has given each, God has given us different gifts for doings, read that with me, certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, he's about to just spit fire, y'all, and people just read over this and have no idea what he's saying to this young group of believers that are hungry just like we are. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God is giving you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if God is giving, oh, excuse me, I was reading that again. I got a little bit too excited. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Live in a world, everybody's skeptical and cynical and God is, you've letting the world rob you of what God has given you to give. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Paul says each of us have been giving, given some gifts and abilities. These gifts in Romans 12 are sometimes called motivational gifts, some people call them. They're gifts, they're practical, they're, they seem too simple, but they're not. Every one of us, we can change the game. The gifts God gives you are to invest and love others, to reach people, to change the world and change others. And he just starts spitting. He says, if you have the gift of prophecy, Speak with as much faith as you have. Here in Romans 12, the word prophecy is not just talking about, it's different than what we're going to look at in a little bit. It's not just talking about foretelling, foretelling or predicting. It's honestly translated perceiving. It's a practical gift. My prophets in the place, my people that you have the gift of prophecy, you are able to see truth in a situation that other people can't. 
You challenge people. You challenge their perspective. You speak straight from the hip sometimes and you can speak it. You may not say it well, but you have the gift to read bullcrap and you talk it and you'll speak truth into it. And people with prophetic giftings challenge us. They add to our faith by hurting our feelings sometimes. They are, they are perceptive. They understand that what the perspective we're carrying and the things we're living in are going to lead to heartbreak and pain. They call it like they see it. Prophets, when my messages, when my messages, when I'm on my game, my messages on Sunday are by nature prophetic. When I'm not on my game, I'm pretty pathetic. You can ask my family because I'm bad sometimes. Prophetic or pathetic. And, and honestly, preaching, preaching is not, ju- preach- you don't have to be a preacher to be a prophetic. Some of you, I got people that you can look at, you can look at somebody and not even be with them long and you can see them, you can read their soul, their spirit and speak to it like you're reading a book. You are prophetic. And Paul says, if you have the gift of prophesying and the prophetic gifting, he says, what you need to do is speak and grow it with as much faith as you have. And I want you to know when God, as we go over these gifts, when God gives you a gift, it is not a gift just to go through the motions with. It is a gift that God has called you to mature. Maturity is making what matters matter, and He is what matters. And you are called to mature. What we do with the gifts God has given us, we just go through the motions and we never do much with them. We don't ever grow very much. So prophets, if you don't grow your gift and mature your gift, prophets can be jerks. I I hear some people, amen, and they're like, I can be that. It's because you have a gift of prophecy that you're really not that mature in yet. You're not that mature in yet. Because you're good at seeing truth and speaking the truth, but the scripture says to speak the truth in love. And it's a fine line of being prophetic and pathetic. And you can be, I have had to apologize for principles on this stage that I truly believe in, but the presentation was off. And it is not sent, you are not functioning in your gift. When you speak truth to somebody, in principle, you're right in presentation, you're dead wrong. Because you can be right in principle, wrong in spirit, you're wrong. Jesus, the Bible says, was full of grace and truth, not just truth. And I got some prophets in the place that you have have the gift of perceiving and speaking into people's life. It's your gift. And and Paul said, if you got it, grow it. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh. Y'all got to hang with me. Uh Uh-uh, I'm not a burger eater. That's my part. That's my part. Don't be a burger eater. Don't take my part from me. He says, if you're a prophet, prophesy with all the faith you have. Second, he says, serving. Oh, my goodness, y'all. We totally missed this. Serving. He said, if your gift is serving, serve well. My wife is a servant. Her heart is serving. I'm going to tell you, she would hate her life and me if she had to sit right here and feel like being a pastor's wife was being my cheerleader. She's a servant. That's why she's sitting back there. That's why when we got surprised up here, she's got all that tech stuff. She's back there. You'll see her in worship. Hands raised because she's worshiping, but her heart is to serve. That's who she is. She's a servant. So just so y'all know, the most heartbreaking thing and uh, frustrating thing on Saturday was not Georgia whooping Auburn's rear end. It was, I pissed Angie off real bad. I guess I was not prophetic enough for her. (laughs) See what I did there? 
Oh, you know you did it too. You know you've probably done it since I did it. So have I. You know what Angie does? The worst punishment she can give me, she don't do it much. She's only done it a few times actually, so I really made her mad. She got dressed, she got in the car, and she left. I had to watch the game all by my darn self. Well, there's a lot of people there. I had loud people like Avro, Camp. I had all the volume I needed. I just needed Angie. You know where she went? Right here. And the seat you're sitting in got hand vacuumed. Because she vacuumed this entire auditorium. She did deep cleaning that our cleaning team, we can't ask of them all the time. She washed every window in this building. She hand vacuumed those seats you're sitting in. Vacuumed. She did deep cleaning all day. I had no idea until she got home. She got pissed at me. And what she did, her default mode, was to come to the church that we serve together. And the life that we built together and do ministry is a huge part of our life. And she served. Because that's who she is. She's a doer. And Paul said, some of you, listen to me, some of you, you're servants. That's what you do. Angie, if she wasn't in that tech room, she'd be finding a window to clean. She'd be finding something to do. Uh, there was a couple times, in the season we were over here, I said, baby, you need to just sit back here and, be, and answer questions, you know, be available to people. She, she, she told me, she came home one Sunday, she said, I hate this. I feel like I'm not even a part of the church. That's, you, know, you can't put a servant on a leash. And some of you are servants. I'm telling you, this church is full of servants. I could go on all day. Uh, uh, Jack Lenny, Smokey, Jason and Tara Davis, Terry, uh, Heather Petty, Wesley Henry. Is that ungodly, glorious beard guy in here right now? Or is he serving in catechids because he's a servant? I could go on. Tim and Emily Singleton. I got so many. I could go on and on. And if I've missed you, it's because we have a church full of servants. This is not your gift. But you are not a burger eater. You are a servant. You are a doer. And that is a gift that God has put inside of you. And God is, and it's time, and you grow it. And the thing about serving that you really got to watch out for, because Solomon said, whatever that hand's fine to do, do with all your might. Jesus said, all my servants out there that you have to work behind the scenes and you don't get to be up here and stuff. Let me tell you something. Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant. He didn't say your pastor. He didn't say your supervisor. He didn't say your manager. He said the greatest among you. Jesus taught this. The greatest among you will be your servants. The first will be last. The last will be first. Because at the end of the day, the greatest among you is your servant. And Paul said if you have the ability and the gift to serve, serve well. But here's the thing. You've got to manage the gift of serving. I'll tell you one thing. Some of the biggest fights, top three at least. A man Angie is, she's a servant. Servants, if you don't mature and grow your gift and manage it, your gifts will manage you. And Angie has, and all you servants, you struggle with sitting down and resting and letting other people invest in you. It's been a fight for months. We're working on getting Angie some time off where she don't have to worship in that tech room. Some of you, you don't sit down long and you feel like you got to do something because you're a servant. You got to control that gift. You got to manage it and God's calling you to mature it. Because you're going to overdo it. You're not going to just going to overthink. You're going to overdo and overwork yourself. And you're going to miss out on the blessing God gave you because you didn't grow the gift he gave you. Don't be a burger eater. Servants. Paul continues. He says teaching. These are not random words. He says some of you are teachers, man. Oh my gosh, I need teachers, y'all. Teachers, he said, if you have the ability to teach, teach well. Some of you have the ability to give instruction and information. I'm telling y'all, Connor, two weeks ago, it just was so, he is always going to be more eloquent than me, and it's only just getting started. 
He was able to teach the word, man. He, there's times on Sundays that he's able to, to, give me a, to give me some simple things that I've even missed in the scripture over the years. I have the ability to make deep things a little simple for you. I'm t- I make simple things more complicated. Teaching is something I really struggle with. So all my teachers in the place, listen to me, teach well. Teachers, coaches, supervisors, parents. Man, it is so beautiful watching Angie. And my mother's really good at it. She loves investing in your... All my catechids, teachers, man. The ability you have to hit a kid on their level. And I don't understand you, but I'm grateful for you. Coaches, you're able to do X's and O's and teach kids fundamentals. Supervisors, trainers, you're a teacher. You're a mentor. If you've ever mentored somebody, you are a teacher. God has given you... Every one of us have at least one of these gifts. You are a teacher. And you are called to teach. And information and instruction is an awesome thing and you need to grow in it. But here's the thing about teaching. You've got to re- remember, manage it and grow it or it'll manage you. Sometimes the people you do life with don't need instruction. They need inspiration. And you're so busy trying to make things work practically and they don't need practical right now. They need you to invest some inspiration and depth in them, which is why Paul keeps rolling. This ain't random. He says, encouraging. He says, those of you who have the gift of encouragement, he says, encourage. Encourage. This is my gift, y'all. This is my number one. If you give me a number one gift, I'm an exhorter. I'm an encourager. All my encouragers, you can see potential in a person from a mile away and you speak to it. If I have time, I have a lot less time than I used to. If I'm thinking about you, I try to shoot you a text if I'm not driving. Because if I'm driving, I may be in a ditch. Maybe the last text you get. Asked that person on Northside Drive that slammed on their brakes this week and I had to get my tires realigned. It was their fault. You don't, you turn right, you don't stay in the road and then and they keep going straight. I hope they're watching online. It was the red and black truck. You turn right, you don't just hit the brakes. That's a prank. That's not cool. And that truck would have hurt you. Anyway, because it's beautiful and it's big. Encouraging. That's where I was at, right? I can see potential and I can speak to it. I can see potential in everybody. I can see potential in you from a mile away and I will tell you. All my encouragers in the place, you have a, your heart is words. You bear your heart. It comes easy bearing your heart. The people on this stage, the Randalls, the Braffords, the Connors, all the people that can speak, they have the ability to exhort and encourage. That's their gift. It's a gift from God. Man, I've had to, I got family now, I've got a wife that words don't come easy to her. And I was like, I thought words came easy to everybody, even cuss words. I'm just like, okay. Guess everybody's not good with words like I am. And I'm not good with them. Some days when I'm not very prophetic, I'm real not good with them. Encourage. But here's the thing about encouragement. You got to really work your gift and grow it because if you're, not, if you're not mature and if you're going through the motions with encouragement, you'll appease people and not encourage them. You will speak to things in their life that's not there. You want them to be there, and it would benefit you if they were there. And you're, honestly, that's manipulation. That's crossing a line. And also, encouragers really, really struggle with speak, seeing and speaking potential in their own life. They can see it from you from a mile away, but they're blinded to their own gifts and abilities when it's right in front of them. I spent so many years of my life preaching to everybody else's potential and not believing in my own. You got to grow it. Paul said, if you have the gift of encouragement, you better encourage because God has called you to contribute. Listen to me.
don't be a burger eater. Don't be a burger eater. You have a gift, and God has given you a gift. He continues. Paul keeps spitting. Y'all, he's spitting this like M&M rhymes, y'all. All my young people's like, who's M&M? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he continues giving. He said, if you have the, he said, some of you, we're all called to be generous and give, but some people have the gift of generosity. Even if you don't have money, this isn't just for the wealthy. Hmm. This is for people that when you see a need, when you believe in something, you invest in it or you find it. If, you, if, it's, if, you're called, if it's time to make it happen, you're going to make it happen and find the money to do it. You are a giver. You use your gift, your love language and your gift. You are generous. We're all called to be generous, but some of us have the spiritual gift of generosity. You make things happen. Let me tell you something. Paul says if you have the gift of giving, do it. Give it. Give. Be generous. Don't let... If you live long enough, you're going to get burned with every one of your gifts. You're going to get burned in every, every area of your life. And if you have a good marriage for a long time, your spouse is going to disappoint you. Your kids are going to really disappoint you sometimes because they got to go through teenage years. Hannah, don't let life take cause you to withhold the gift that God has called you to give because you'll either miss out or you'll be miserable withholding the gift that God has given you because you're, you're naturally a generous person. Next, Paul says leadership. Paul, as a matter of fact, here we go. Don't be a bugger eater because you're not one. You are called to contribute. God's given you some gifts and abilities and you need to work them, grow them, and, do them, and give him the glory in every season because God's got something. You are a contributor. You are a player. Leadership, Paul says, uh, Paul says some of you have been given leadership. And he said, if you've been given leader, the gift of leadership, then he said, take it seriously. It's a big deal because leadership is glorified in our culture. So a lot of people really try to be leaders that aren't gifted to be leaders because not everybody's gifted to be a leader. What would happen if everybody was a leader? We wouldn't be here right now. Murder would happen a lot more. A lot, a lot of pissing contests with you men, too, in our culture would be like, oh, being a, and in schools, everybody at the principal's office. Leadership. He says, some of you. And the thing about it, a lot of us, we're trying to pretend to be leaders. And God's not called us to be a leader. And what we do is leaders naturally have people that follow them and, are, and, and, and gravitate towards them. And they carry an influence that is just more than people that don't have the gift of leadership. We're all called to lead something, but there's those of us who have the gift of leadership. You're, you have the ability to bring people together and bring the best out of them. But leadership is a heavy responsibility when you look in Scripture. And I'm talking about administration. I'm talking about my managers, my supervisors, my business owners, my, my entrepreneurs, my people that you were, you were the type of person, you were self-motivated, you get stuff done, and you find people to get stuff done. You are a leader. You are a leader. And God says, or Paul says, Paul says, if you have to get the leadership, take it seriously, because a lot of people are trying to be leaders, and they're not leaders. That's not their gift. And what they do is a leadership is a heavy responsibility. I don't get the privacy of most people. Dang sure don't after spending 13 and a half years at Walmart. If I want to get a date where I only meet two or three people that know me and need prayer, I'm probably need to go to Noonan. And then honestly, I found people in Gulf Shores. Hey! It's a responsibility that most people want to carry because it's glorified, but they can't carry it and it'll crush you. And also, you have to have the ability to take a lot of shots but maintain your integrity. 
You have to have some tough skin. And a lot of people get in leadership and they, think they see these moments. But they don't see the moments where Angie and I are crying because we're taking criticism that is unfair, untrue. But you have to maintain your integrity and not grow hard. Leadership. Some of you have the gift of it. A lot of us want it, but we're not called to have it. And that's okay because not everybody's leaders. Paul gives several spiritual gifts. And leadership, he says, take it seriously. That boss at your job it, that, that's toxic, that your culture and your work environment's toxic, it's not because they're not a leader. It's because they're misleading because they're not taking it seriously and they're not maintaining their integrity. They lost themselves at some point. Paul says, if you have the gift of leadership, take it seriously. Lead in your home. Lead at your job. Don't just lead in the places where you want the promotion and want to benefit. Lead. Some of you naturally just have an influence that other people don't have. You don't realize that people gravitate. Look at Jesus. Look at that. People gravitated towards his personality. He was a radical. But they gravitated toward him because he had the spiritual gift of leadership. It wasn't just his love. It was his leadership. He had authority from heaven. And so do you when you're gifted in leadership or whatever you're gifted in. And then Paul continues. He says, kindness. Kindness. Matter of fact. Don't be one. Kindness. Paul finishes this section of spiritual gifts and he says, some of you have kindness. And he said, if you have the gift of kindness, do it gladly. Kindness, this is what it consists of. Mercy. You're very merciful. You, we have a church of kind people. That's why I've been able to shift the focus in the auditorium because we naturally have our frontline team and so many people are friendly. Hospitality is a part of the kindness spiritual gift. You have mercy. Your heart is to make people feel safe and welcome and wanted. Whether you do it at home with your kids and with your kids' friends, whether you have a revolving door, whether you do it at, whether you're, you do it at serving because you work at a restaurant or some type of service job, you have a welcoming spirit. That is a spiritual gift from God. That isn't something you just learn. That's something you grow in. That is a gift that God has given you. It is the ability to be kind. And the world needs more kindness now more than ever. We got a bunch of leader, people trying to lead and trying to show their stuff. And that kind of kindness is kind of dying out. And we need you people that are gifted with kindness. Because the world's callous right now. See, here's the thing. What you've done is you've been keeping score. You've been looking at the wrong scoreboard and keeping, you've been looking at the wrong scorecard. You're, you don't have a lot of ability at school. You struggle making grades. You feel like you're dumb. I did too. But, I, but also, you're, you're gifted as a leader. You're, you're socially intelligent. And social intelligence will take you a lot farther than a perfect SAT score, I promise. But some of you aren't even gifted with people. You're, and you're not a leader. And that's okay. You're a servant. You're a doer. I'm telling you, this church wouldn't make it without all my country boys and girls that can get dirty and know how to do a little bit of anything. Uh, then pipe that's busted, we'd have a million-dollar water bill by now if it weren't for all the Wesley Henrys, the Justin Thackers, I mean, uh, the Jason. I mean, I've seen them dig whole Jack Lenny come up here, have the crew that he pays to doggone work. I'm telling you, uh, all my women like Angie, that literally you're on your hands and knees, you're working your tail off. If, it, if everybody was gifted like me, uh, we'd be getting wet when it rained. This building would be condemned, and we'd be working, doing church outside. Some of you, you're generous, you're kind, you'll make it happen. I've had people come to me, they're like, I'm like, we just don't have the money to do that. You know what they say? They say, we'll find the money and they'll find it. That's right. By the way, a giving person, uh, the, the disadvantages of giving, um, if you don't grow it is, my mother used to tell me this and I didn't realize how scriptural it was until I got older. She used to say the need is not necessarily the call. 
So when you're a giver, when you're generous, you see a need and you just automatically think it's yours to deal to, to help. And you overdo your you overdo it. Because the need, just because there's a need doesn't mean you're the one called to do it. I've had to learn as this ministry has grown and we have so many things and there's so many needs in the community and in the world and I've had to use wisdom and say, that is an important need, but we, we can't do it. No, yes, this is what matters more to Catalyst. This is what not. Givers, sometimes you just overextend yourself and you, and you give to everything and you end up making bad investments with people that don't make the most of the gift that you give. You've got to be careful and have wisdom grow in your gift if you're a giver. I will say no to people that will be upset when I say no, but I've had to learn that's just not, just because it's a need doesn't mean I'm called to go run, take care of it. Leaders, you got to lead yourself first. And kindness, don't let the world take the kindness that God has put inside of you because good guys and good girls will always win in the end. Jesus got crucified for being a good guy, but he didn't stay dead. You won't either. Every one of you are called to contribute, and this is just one section. And there's a whole bunch, there's more that I'm not even going to be able to get to today. But I want to go to the second section, which is not motivational gifts, it's ministry gifts. And I want you to know that this has been the most stressful uh, part for me in preparation for this message because four and a half years I've neglected this, and it's time not to neglect it anymore. I'm calling these ministry gifts. Ministry gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks to Corinth, and I want you to know this. Corinth was one of the most dysfunctional church that he planted. It was, they were messed up, completely messed up. And he starts spitting fire again. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is what I'm calling ministry gifts. Every one of us have a ministry gift. Because, let me, let me tell you this. Ministry may not be your career, but it's your calling. The Bible teaches that we are all called to be ministers of reconciliation. Church is not something we do. Church is who we are when you love Jesus and you want his will for your life. And every one of us has been given a ministry gift that Paul, we've been given a motivational gift and a ministry gift. And he continues, here we go. And this may seem weird because you aren't open to it, but I wouldn't be a pastor if I didn't open you to the possibilities. I'm not afraid. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Paul says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Paul says God works in different ways, but it is the same God who works in all of us. He has gifts in all of us, and he does. He, we are a part of the plan of God. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can, what's that word say? Help, minister, invest, love, reach, live, and extend the promise, power, peace, grace, love of Jesus everywhere to, so we can help each other. Isn't it cool that in Romans 12, Paul said, we belong to each other. I need you. You need me. The question is, how do I need you? How does the world need you? To one person, he, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, to, to another, the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives the message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and someone else the one spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. There's that word again. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Discernment. 
Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital S, who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. I'm going to make this real simple because churches like to complicate it or oversimplify it or overcomplicate it depending on what their agenda is. And my agenda is I want to be honest with you. I don't want to force anything on you. I'm not trying to freak anybody out. I will never force anything on you. That's not how I roll. That's not how Jesus rolled. Jesus said whosoever will may come. He didn't say you had to. Wisdom. He just starts spitting it. Wisdom. The Bible says we are called to pray for wisdom. The Bible even says to love wisdom. But some of you are given a gift of wisdom. You have the ability and the clarity to know what to do in a complicated situation. You have wisdom. And I'm going to tell you, your spiritual gift is a gift of ministry. In a world where everybody is confused, you need to bring clarity. And you have to grow that gift. And you need to grow closer to God and his word and grow closer in your relationship with him because you have the gift of wisdom. People are all confused, don't know what path to take. You have the ability to say, this is the best decision right now. You can invest that in your kids, your coworkers. When you have the gift of wisdom, you will build that influence and you will grow in it. Some of us have the gift of wisdom. Paul said, each of us have something. Word of knowledge. Sounds creepy, right? It's not. Here's a simple version. You ever had it? You only have to try. Some of you are like, I don't have, you're going to say in this, throughout this section, you're going to say, oh, I just don't have that gift. I don't have, you don't even know what you have because you hadn't tapped into it. You've been seeking Jesus for two minutes. You only have to try. Word of knowledge, I'll tell you this. I will text somebody. I'll just have somebody on my heart. I get, I think I made some people mad. Uh, Terry Pittman for sure texting at her at like five in the morning because she don't put her phone on D&D. I just think it. I'm texting. I want to. I text somebody. And I've had people. I've had people reach out to me and say, uh, and say, uh, man, God had to put you on my heart because you don't even know how, how how much I'm struggling. A few weeks ago, I didn't even try, y'all. This is not something that I try. I was thinking about a couple that comes to the church that was about to have a baby. Had no idea when they were going to have it. They texted me that evening and said, "We got a baby." And you texted us as we were pulling up to the hospital. And we knew that God put you on our heart. Word of knowledge is the ability to speak to what God is doing in somebody's life or intends to do in their life. I'll give you an extreme version that happened to me, like somebody did this to me a couple of years. This is something that has been, uh, yes, the charismatic church overdoes it, but honestly, the the evangelical fundamentalists, we put God in a box. The power of God's going to break. Jesus will break your rules. He broke everybody's rules 2,000 years ago. He's going to break yours. He ain't doing it your way, my way, our way. He does it his way, and you want to get on board or you don't. I'm telling you, when Paul, the apostle Paul says, I know that people abuse these teachings, and honestly, people neglect them too. But Paul said the kingdom of God is not a lot of talk. It's a living in God's power. And so a word of knowledge Two years, I'm not playing with you. Y'all know me. You've been here long enough. If you're a guest, I hope you don't freak out and leave today because I promise you I'm being for real. It's been four and a half years since I've, and I hadn't done this. Two years before God, two years before the church I was serving at uh, closed down because of financial decisions. Honestly, it wasn't even to that point. I was an associate pastor. God began to put on my heart that we were going to plant a church. I wasn't going to transition to lead pastor of Christ Fellowship. It scared me. I'm working at Walmart. I'm already in debt. 
student loans and everything. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm literally in my head that day. But God, I, I was reading a book called The Blessed Church. And God spoke to me. He was like, you're not going to transition into that lead pastor. You're going to play in a church. I don't even know how to change a spare tire. So I'm at Walmart. I'm pre. I'm literally greeting. Which, if you if you if you know me, boy, that was me. That was my wheelhouse. If I can't preach, put me at a door, because I, I love people. I love people. People are my thing. So thank God Tanner opened up the hospitals. I got to make a couple visits this week. This is icing for me. I love people. And so I'm at Walmart, and a woman from our old church, she's never come to Catalyst. She didn't, she didn't even gravitate towards my personality. Honestly, the way when I see her, when I preach funerals of people that she was friends with, she don't even like me anymore. But she comes to Walmart one day, and she comes to the door, and she says, Hey, Ben, I want you to know that it's just on my heart. Whatever God has put on your heart that's stirring in you right now, he says yes. Nobody... Nobody, I was, I was saying, hit his stride and find happiness. And he looked at me and I'm telling you, he said, I am not angry. I, I wish it could last longer, but I'm grateful. That is faith. That's not just faith. That's the gift of faith. He died without a bitter bone in his body. Matter of fact, I had to tell him there was some things he was carrying that wasn't on him. That was a good man, gentleman, one of the good guys. And most of his family has been baptized in this church, and they are a part of this church family. Ray Ballou, I'm calling you out. Get back to church. <laughs> Carry that, um, that is faith. And you need to give that faith to the world because we need faith right now. We got too much skepticism. Everybody's callous. That's a ministry gift. God has given you a gift. Give it. Then there, he talks about the gifts of healing. Of healing. And miracles. And I'm going to tell you, I know that miracles and healing, it's been abused on both ends. Because to say God can't or say God won't or he has to do it your way, that's, that's abuse. Both sides of the spectrum abusing. Matter of fact, went to a Baptist seminary. My textbook in missions uh, in grad school, that thick, most boring book I ever read. But there was one chapter that talked about the, 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 the study of Pentecostalism. And it said right now, see, we're desensitized to the supernatural because we are spoiled rotten. We think, per, I'm going to just say this. We think persecution is having to bake a cake for a same-sex couple. That ain't persecution. You don't know what pers- persecution is. None of us. I don't, you don't, we don't. Be quiet and serve Jesus. And um, I was going somewhere with that. I was going somewhere. Oh, uh, God, I think I was going somewhere with that. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Thank you. There it is, Heather. She pays attention. Thank you. Thank you. Atta girl. Study of Pentecostalism. There is no denying by a Spread of the gospel and throughout the world is by miracle signs and wonders. You heal a kid's hearing, he'll open his heart and so will his family to Jesus. It's happening. It's happening. Here's the thing though, in America and honestly through the church in general, what we do is we worship what we want God to do. We worship and trust what we want from God more than we want and trust him. And so it it goes into abuse. Y'all... Miracles and healings happen every day in your life and mine. Let me tell you something. Look at right here. I shouldn't have the abilities I have because of the disabilities I have. He is a wonder-working God. He, is a, he has breakthrough miracle power. The power of God can display through your life if you will allow it and begin to grow the gifts that God has given you. He's got something for you. 
Miracles and healings happen. They don't happen on your terms, your way. Most of the time, we do altar ministry up here because we have people that want to pray and believe God for miracles and breakthroughs in your life and for you to take God up on his promises. We trust him no matter what happens. My mother, in the worst seasons of her life, she spoke my name and my family's name, and now she speaks my name every day in my family's name in the leadership of this church. She prayed seven, six to seven months before Shannon Lovelady came into my life. She was praying, God, Give him an older pastor that can invest in him. He's got enough young people in his life. Miracles, they happen. Dottie Sandoff sitting at home with health issues, but I'm going to tell you, she, you, send a, you send a prayer request to, to, to us, she's going to send it out over text to people that love to pray and they pray for you and that's their heart. They will lay on their face for just you. Because we believe in it, and I'm sorry that I haven't put it out there all this time, but we believe in it. If I die tomorrow, he's the God of my last breath. But until I take my last breath, I believe that he is not done with me. I believe in miracles. Your dysfunction and generational curses don't have anything on you. Addiction can't stop you. The power of God, he is a miracle working God. Believe him for it. Trust him no matter what, but my God, he loves you. You need to love you. You need to start looking at him and trusting him like that. Man, you've, got to, you've made mistakes. You've hurt people. God loves you, and the reason you've lived lower than that love is because you haven't received it and grown in what he wants to do. He has given each of us gifts. Each of us gifts. Discernment, real quickly. Discern, uh, excuse me, prophecy. This is talking about prediction. It's talking about speaking a truth straight from God. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't have this gift very much, but it has happened to me. And I, you know I'm not lying, so I ain't telling somebody else's story. I was like 15 years old. I was visiting a family member at Bremen Higgins Hospital, Bremen Tanner. And, and there was a kid there that had like a, a, a little broken finger. They didn't even know if it was broke, but God just put on my heart so strongly. It was so impressed that it was like audible. And he said, you go pray for him and you pray, authority, you pray over him. And I was like, he's got a broke finger broke finger for real God I went up all I can tell you is finally I worked up the nerve I went up to him and I said to his parents because he was way younger than me I said can I pray for your son like this is just awkward you know God will make you do some awkward stuff to see if you trust him and he comes up and his parents just start bawling and they open up his shirt and he was there for a broken finger but he had scars from heart issues and health issues. And I can, I can tell you I probably prayed more authoritatively than I've ever prayed on this stage for that kid because God put that on my heart. Prophecy. And you don't know it. You're like, well, that's just weird. It's because you haven't grown close enough to God to even find the gifts that you've tapped into. That's not my main one. Discernment. He says discern gifts. I'm going to tell you real quickly. Discernment. If you have the, if your spouse is a discerner, if you got people in your life that they are perceptive and intuitive, you need to listen to them and you need to, I, I, Angie Bonner is discerner. If she tells me something feels off or somebody feels off, I listen. I've learned the hard way long enough. I'm going to say, yes, ma'am. The people in your life that are perceptive, you need to listen. Don't shut them out. Don't push them away because their gift is to keep you on God's path and to protect you. And all my discerners in the place, don't keep your mouth shut. Talk to the people you love. Don't hold what God has given you that could heal them, save them from having to find healing. All my discerners, you need to listen. Listen to your wives. Listen to your husbands because you were blinded sometime and our discerners in the place, by the way. 
don't be one. And lastly, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, is the interpretation of tongues and the interpretations of tongues. Prophecy. It's prophecy. You see it at at Acts 2 in Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell and the New Testament church started. And that day there was, in that time in Jerusalem, there was so much diversity that everybody spoke a lot of different languages. And the Bible says that Peter, they thought he was drunk. He was like, it's 9 a.m. What y'all talking about? I'm not drunk. And it says that he started preaching and they all understood clarity. That is, that is what Paul's talking about. But honestly, I'm going to spend the rest of the, the, the I'm going to conclude this message. I don't want to freak you out. I don't want to force anything on you. But I want you to be open to the possibilities of what God can do in your life and what it's done in mine. There is another type of tongues. I'm not going to spend a lot of time because this tongue has been abused in the church. On both sides. On both sides. Because to say God that, won't do it, that he won't do it this way, he has to do it this way, or he can't do it that way, that is not putting God in a box. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in your notes, I've got a list of all the gifts, and you'll see 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul begins to talk about a tongue that is a private prayer language. You'll see it in the New Testament when it talks about praying in the Spirit. It's, a, it's about trust, you know. I was stressing out on Monday because I really, I don't want to freak anybody out, but I want to be honest. And Bradford sent me a a thing he was reading where it says, obeying God isn't about what you're doing. When you do it, it's about showing that you trust him. And um, I grew up as a charismatic. Got encircled most of my life. I had Tourette's. I mean, you're talking a little kid, ticking like crazy, jerking. In a charismatic church where they're saying, pray for healing. They're healing me, encircling me, want me to pray in tongues. Y'all, I don't fake anything. I don't believe in faking stuff. That's why sometimes up here you get bad being, mad being, good being. I'm me. I'm trying to be a better me. But for all those years, they encircled me, wanted to talk to me about tongues and wanted me to pray in tongues. And I wouldn't fake it for years. Like, I frustrate. There's some pastors that still look at me and don't like me because I wasn't going to fake it for their benefit. Most of my life, I went out of church ticking. My ticks were worse than they were when they came in because I was stressed out because everybody was pressuring me and forcing things. I will not force anything on you. When I was 22 years old, I was deep into Bible college. Like I said, I went to a very Baptist fundamental Bible college, which I am very grateful for. All my Baptists in the place, I want you to know that I am so grateful for the theology and the things that I learned that will carry me and carry my interpretation of the Bible. When I was going at 22, I had begrown skeptical of all that stuff because honestly, uh, the seminary taught me that it was ridiculous. It had ceased. It was not scriptural. I was 22 years old. I was living a very heavy part of my life. Uh, I had so much going on. It's awful in some ways, but God worked in it. He's always working. I was worshiping in my car. I told y'all for most of my life since I've been driving, you may see me raising my hands. That's who I am. I'm a worshiper. People always told me when they encircled me trying to force it on me, it never happened. But all I can tell you is I got to the place in my life where I trust him. I don't want what Ben wants. And I don't even know if what Ben wants, even the most sincere, simple thing, if it's what God wants. And at 22 years of, years of age, it just hit me. It wasn't something I forced because you don't have to try. I just begin to pray in the spirit. It's my own private thing. This tongue Paul talks about where he says, you speak mysteries 
where he says that you speak mysteries where um, it is for God. It's for you and God. It's not for other people. It's not for, it's not for in here. It's obedience, it's trust. And all I can tell you, I'm just open. If you ever want to talk to me individually, we can. I can't go into it today with you corporately. But I just began to end my car. It was like five in the morning. I was working two jobs. No, I wasn't working two jobs. I was working full-time at Walmart then. Just hit me. I can't even, I don't have this big embellished story because I think sometimes people like, oh God, they wear it as a badge like they're better. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We're all caught, matter of fact. You're not, and I'm not. I don't have this big embellished story. I hear people all the time, man, I started, I got baptized in the spirit. I started praying in the spirit. I led a million people to the Lord in five minutes. No, you didn't. Shut up. That's pride, by the way. That's pride. That's not trusting God. That's proving yourself. Man, I, I, I raised somebody from the dead. I healed them from cancer. You better tell them to go take their cancer tr- tr- treatments on Monday because it's on you. Now, I'll tell you two things it did for me. It didn't give me this. It gave me two things that I needed most in life, and I've needed them ever since I was 22, and I'll be 36 on December 2nd. It gave me endurance and an intimacy that I can't even put into words. It gave me a hunger for him that even though I've lost sight of in some seasons, I've never lost. Can't, I can tell you the circumstances of my life at 22. I, just, I lifted my hands. And I believe that there is no greater intimacy than what the Bible says that we are hidden with Christ. Sex won't do it for you. Your spouse won't do it for you. Success, respect, money, whatever your goals are, whatever the things you want to get to, only closeness with him. And I'm not telling you, I'm not forcing it on you. I'm telling you my story. My story is not your story, but I'm going to open you up to the possibilities. Because at the end of the day, what I realize is I don't want my will. Even the things that I want, I want what he wants. And at 22 years of age, I stopped praying for a wife. I just prayed in the spirit and I prayed for more than him. And this is a private thing for me. You'll never hear me on stage. You may hear me whisper or you won't hear me because they mute my mic when I'm worshiping for a reason. Because I'm, I, it's a private thing. It's for God. It's not for you. It's for him. I stopped praying for a wife at 22. Throughout my 20s, people used to tell me that loved me and knew me. They said, you're never going to be married. You don't even try. You don't even put yourself out there. I didn't, ever. I felt like I needed to be faithful with what God put in front of me, not try to force it. That's my will. I stopped praying for a wife. I began to pray for more him. People would tell me, you got to put yourself out there. Even people that used to respect me, I started getting in my late 20s. They were like, you eventually got to say hey to somebody. I said, no, I'm just going to be faithful. God brought me Angie like God brought Isaac, Rebecca in the Old Testament while he was tending his fields. I don't, I didn't, my single people quit praying for somebody and worship God because he is all you need right now. And if that is, I got to the point, y'all, I just began praying because I don't want his, my will, I want his will, y'all. And when Paul says speaking mysteries, and when you can go read it for yourself, he talks about just a, it's his will. Because at the end of the day, I've learned, I don't know what he wants. We start, I, I just built this intimacy. And y'all, it gave me an intimacy and endurance. And in those seasons to come, I would have to have it. I would preach my dad's funeral at the age of 25. 
I can't even tell you how heartbreaking it was. It, it floored me. Everything I had believed God for. I would see, I have already at almost 36 seen all the ugliness that people in ministry can bring you. And I can tell you, that's why nothing intimidates me or nobody threatens me is because you can't do into anything to me that hasn't already been done. But God has given me an intimacy and a closeness and an endurance that I can't even put into words. We start catalyst. We move over here like all this supernatural stuff that happened to put us in this position. But what people don't know, and I've only shared a few times, is there was every time, the, the, first, the 13 months that we leased this, there was a for sale sign out there. And people that knew it would come up to me and they would say, are you praying? Are you praying for God to give you this building? Are you doing fundraisers? No. I was praying for his will. Bible says when you don't know how to pray, pray in the spirit. I wanted God to burn this place to the ground if we didn't weren't supposed to have it and, and that was what he wanted and that's, I meant it. And if they sold this out from under us, we would have been screwed and started over. But I wanted what God wanted. And my entire life, and, and all I can tell you is at 22, that hunger deepened, deep and wide. I just got this intimacy. People abuse it on every end of the spectrum. People use it for show, wear it as a badge, try to prove themselves just like they do business, cutthroat business and athletics. People have pissing contests with everything. But it's just this intimacy with him. And I can tell you that most of my prayer life is that now. Because I don't know what his will is. I know that I want it. I want it. And I believe that God can open you up to that. And it's not something you have to force. And it's not something that's going to be forced. And if it is forced, it's not for real. All those years growing up in the charismatic church, it took being in a Baptist seminary and completely skeptical but hungry for him because God gives you your gifts and grows them based on how hunger, hungry you are for him. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. <laughs> and so I just began to pray. And that's what I did. In 22 years of age, I could, or at 22 years all the way to now, I can tell you he has done so much that I didn't pray for, I trusted him for. I have preached on this stage in many stages where I was weak, where I had withdrawals from taking medication. I have chronic back pain from ticks. This week has been an awful week of pain, but I just get up and I pray in the spirit because I know that he loves me and I know whether he heals me to heals me a black back pain today or in eternity, he is the Lord of my day. He is the God of my tomorrow and he is the same for you. I have, I have, I have preached, I have preached where I, I preached with a bladder tumor in 2019 on this stage. I thought I was going to face plan. It was only his grace that I didn't, but I'd pray in the spirit. I remember when I thought I was going to have to take treatment and I called the family and I told them, I said, if I die tomorrow, I'm believing God for healing, but I'm telling you what I believe and what I, what I preach is true. And God loves me and he's got me. Intimacy, endurance. I don't pray for anything I want anymore. Even if I think it's what he wants, oh, I just want he wants I speak to him and let him make the calls intimacy closeness and that's what God wants for you and here's the thing the old gospel song says it best it is no secret what God can do what he did for me he'll do for you thanks for listening 
We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at imcatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at iamcatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you. We care about you. And we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.